podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, want to win tickets to one of the big games in London this autumn? Well, your wish is our command. We have teamed up with DraftKings and set up a brand new Nat Coombe Show Listener League where you can go head to head every week with all your faves from the show and plenty of your fellow show listeners. Lots of prizes on offer throughout the season, including the chance to win tickets to Broncos Jags later on this year. You've got to be in it to win it. So head on over to dkng.co forward slash Nat Show. dkng.co forward slash Nat Show or Hit the link in the show bio, the show episode notes, or head on over to Twitter at the NC Show. Check the pin tweet, click the link there, and it'll take you to the Nat Coombs Show Listener League. Get involved. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Hey gang, hope you are good. Here we are then, less than a week before the start of the 2022 season. Had to drop the year in there in case you were wondering which season was about to start. And we're getting you set. We're continuing our mission to get you set for the season. All pro show fave Marek Larwood dropping by. Now, longtime listeners will know Marek, as well as being a very funny man, is also a lifelong Detroit Lions fan. And you put those two things together and it usually makes for a terrific episode. Today is no exception. We'll talk hard knocks. We'll deep dive into the Lions. We'll broaden it out into the AFC North. Talk a bit of Rogers. We've got questions from you guys as well. Lots of fun along the way. So without further ado, let's get straight down to business and check in with the brilliant Marek Larwood. Marek, it is great to see you, man. We were just chatting before we started recording, saying it's been a it's been a long time. Like I can't remember the last time we worked together. It must be a good six months or so, right? I mean, I don't know what I said, Nat, last time. <laughs> you didn't say anything. It's going over and over again. Nothing to do with it. He's just he's gone quiet. Maybe he's got better friends now none of that is true you are a fan favorite you know that and when we announced you're going to be on this week's show or this show the uh the fans love that you've got like, some good questions for your lions based questions via our mailbag uh at the nc show incidentally facebook instagram twitter still no tiktok though Marek. still no tiktok i sort of don't understand tiktok i think <laughs> if you're over 40 yeah and you're on tiktok then you've got to ask some serious questions about yourself <laughs> is it like skateboarding Put the skateboard down if you're over. Skateboarding is back though for over forty years. Oh, oh, did I just tread? Did I just? Did I just tread? I haven't done it, but I've seen people having. do. I've always wanted to roller skate. I was in roller skating club when I was nine, mm. and at primary school. Um, did you have that like, roller boots? Were they that kind of eighteen? No, I had roller terrible boots. ones. People, where you actually extend the, you put it on over your shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you extend them with a sort of bolt. So they're probably. <laughs> I know. I mean, health and safety standards would, if you're young, Google these extendable roller shoes that are around in the 80s. Did you um, used to look at the, the kids with the roller boots just with envy and one day I might might get myself a pair of those? 
Well, it was it was only one option, I think. There were those mm. weird blue ones with the yellow wheels and the rainbow on the side. I had the I had ex- those exact pair. They sway. It's yeah. like sway. They, <laughs> were bit, they were quite feminine. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. thought I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I didn't, I'd dive straight in with that. Yeah, they were the cool ones to get, but I think only one kid at our school had those. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. And the best bit was at the end of the roller skating club after school. There was a race around the school. I remember thinking it was the happiest I've ever been in my life when I came third in the roller skating race. Oh, your place. Never got back to that, except for now, being on the podcast. Being on this, being on this. Of course, I mean, there were moments you had your shot at making the Lions. Of course, back in the day, we used to, we used to talk about that one. You, you, do you still harbour that dream? It's something that, that I always want to ask you when you're on it, because particularly in, in like the Lions and Hard Knocks. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's put me off ever wanting to become and i mean i went to a training camp after the night after so about 10 years ago and it was a friend's 30th birthday or something like that and i had to go to a training camp the next morning really hung over and train this was they came over from the states and did one for young uh american football players but even though I, I was still the best quarterback there, of course, one guy the cannon for an arm. But that put me off a little bit. All the exercising, just being shouted at. All the exercising, <laughs> and there is a lot of shouting in Hollock. We're going to talk hard knocks. We're going to talk Lions January the season and your your hopes uh, and aspirations for for the Lions season. There seems to be a lot of buzz about them. I think they are, and this maybe is the hard knocks bounce. Right, there is typically affection. Maybe you project to up for a team because you watch them on hard knocks. I remember the the Tampa Bay one in Jameis's was it his rookie season and it was a combination of oh Jameis seems like a really nice guy <laughs> not really not really drilling down to some of the stuff that had happened before he entered the pros and also oh the Bucks look like they could be I mean this they look real they look every, I think when you watch a hard knocks you start to think these guys could be sneaky playoff contenders but with the Lions I think that I think that for me anyway I, I genuinely feel they are not a bolt on, not a, not a lock for the playoffs, but I think there could be sneaky inside rail playoff contenders. If, do you share that optimism based on what you've seen? Well, I think the problem is with the Lions, I've been a fan for quite some time and it, you always think, oh, I can't be worse. <laughs> it can't be worse. Mm. I remember I was actually optimistic when Matt Patricia came in, obviously the worst head coach of recent times. But I do think that... Um, I do like Dan Campbell. Mm. I think, I don't know whether he, maybe his offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, or whatever his name is, has got the sort of guile to Mm. actually um, take them there. I think Dan Campbell is a a hugely motivational guy who's on the same level as the players, which is unusual for a lot of head coaches. And I think that will have some benefit for the Lions. Also, it's almost like the AFC's the Premier League and the NFC's the Championship. <laughs> the disparity has between, never yeah. been so big between yeah. the two. I mean, you might as well just call it like the um, AFC West is the best four best teams possible. Yeah, just put them automatically into the playoffs. Well, yeah, speaking of AFC West, and the Bills, and then and the, and then. And then, I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, you pick him, right? We'll, 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 look, we'll talk lines. We'll talk. I want to get into hard knocks, and, and we'll drill down. And, and inevitably, a number of the questions we got for you sure. by the mailbag are lions related. But speaking of the AFC West, news that broke overnight here in, in the UK, and we'll get into first is the Russell Wilson deal. So, Wilson 
and the Broncos agreeing to a five-year extension worth a cool $245 million, Mark Larwin, which, uh, as these deals always do, and increasingly for quarterbacks, a big chunk of the deal is guaranteed. So $165 million of that is guaranteed. Now, he was, of course, uh, on a, a, an existing contract that was inherited, taken on from, from the Seahawks, which had two years on it. So this is an extension beyond that. The two years on the current deal... 51 million left on the contract. So that means Wilson's going to earn 24 million this year, 27 million next year. And then the extension kicks in and it effectively doubles it, right? So it will push him into an average salary of 49 million. So so uh, it's a huge bump for him to put it in context with the other deals that have been done specifically in this offseason. Deshaun Watson, the highly controversial deal, fully guaranteed deal given to him was 230 million and Kyler Murray controversial for different reasons. I think a lot of people were uh, well, divided about whether that was the right play for the Cardinals, 189.5 million. Both of those are, are more lucrative than Wilson. So how does that stack up for you? First things first, when you weigh up, because it's sometimes quite, well, often quite uh, irrational to look at a, a contract as it's signed versus a legacy contract and say, why is he being paid more than this guy? Because this guy's deal was done a couple of years back. So it doesn't, doesn't stack up, but this is different, right? Wilson's deal has been done after Deshaun Watson's after Kyler Murray's and he's third in that pecking order. Does that stack up for you? It's probably the age thing. That's the only thing. Yeah. 30, I mean, he's 33 Wilson. So yeah. Yeah. So you're not going to get, you think you're guaranteed at least or sort of 35 Thirty. I mean, the the drop off seems to be later and later. Yeah. Now I don't know what is there that they probably know what to eat and all this all this stuff. And and Wilson is possibly one of the cleanest cut guys. You know, you're getting a real Christian sort of bloke who doesn't seem to have any skeletons in the cupboard, really, or any mm. rather, than, oh, and doesn't really seem to have. He always has a quite a good attitude. Yeah, so you hear Jimmy Garoppolo, this interesting story, where I think one of the more fascinating of the offseason when he apparently disappears, just go, just goes just goes off the grid, goes mm. to his teammates. They can't get hold of him for ages. And you kind of join the dots with, if you look into some of Garoppolo's uh, dating habits and you, and you join that up, there's a, there's a sense, and this is obviously supposition, but you know, Garoppolo might like, might like the good life from time to time. And why not, right? But you're right, Wilson, you just don't get a sense of that at all. He's, he seems very straight edge. So that's a, it's a, it's a safe bet in that respect. But 30, 33, I mean, in, uh, to your point, the trajectory for quarterbacks now, I mean, at 38, 39, it wouldn't surprise us if Wilson was still playing pretty much at peak level, right? Yeah, I think the Broncos have had everyone there but the quarterback since Manning for quite they've had a good team mm. in in the, the toughest division and they've just been a quarterback away from really competing. So I think mm. they just wanted to just do you know what? Let's get we've got Wilson in. He's gonna be probably a top ten quarterback for the next uh well, five years. So let's just let's just get that done. Yeah. <laughs> so you can compete because that's gonna be that division you've got Mahomes got Herbert, you know, they're going to be there forever. So you're just going to need someone to give us a fighting chance. Yeah. Even if that's a really good point because uh, the people are inevitably power ranking the quarterbacks in that division. Derek Carr, they're saying, you know, he's a top 12, top 15, certainly top half quarterback in the NFL, but he's the worst quarterback because everyone loves those sensationalist headlines, the worst quarterback in the division at Wilson. 
most people I've seen put him below Mahomes and Herbert. If 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 if, if they're power ranking, and if you're giving any credence to power ranking, because it kind of reminds me of you know saying what you seeing polls like who's your favorite character in Star Wars, and because of certain, or whatever, or this or the Sopranos, who's your favorite? And you know, Sill comes third. Well, he's still everybody loves him. He's still a great actor. Stephen that's a great actor, brilliant character. He might not be as as popular as Paulie Walnuts or others. It doesn't mean, and then the same thing here, like just because Wilson is, oh, he's only a third behind, behind two of the best quarterbacks of their generation who are, who are hitting their prime right now. Numbers wise as well, this was interesting. Just AP often, uh, when you read the news hits that just get peppered around everywhere, it's from Associated and they often pull out some quite interesting stats. This one in what is effectively a generic news, short, concise hit. This was interesting. In the in the short AP report that got fired out, so Wilson is a nine-time Pro Bowler. We kind of figured figured those numbers there from from memory, but he's behind only Brady and Rogers in touchdown passes over the last ten years. So it's Brady, Rogers, Wilson. Now longevity, sure, but that's in, that's in, an incredible number, I think. Wilson, maybe because the, the Hawks stunk last season, he's had metaphysical challenges. I think in Seattle, in terms of uh, existential challenges in terms of where he wants the offense to be, where they wanted it to be. And I, I think that's that's faded him a little bit. But I think he is going to be dynamite this year. I think he's going into a situation. He's got a brilliant defense behind him. One of the best receiving calls in the business. Uh, with Patrick down, that's been diminished a bit. But still, I, I think as we talked about very uh, recently on the show, it was on the latest FFS actually with the Guru Sandrini, KJ Hamler's going to step up and burn up, burn up there. And uh, they've got Sutton, they've got Judy. It's a good ground game there. He's get, getting decent protection for the first time in a long time. I think he's going to light it up. I think Wilson is a contender for MVP. I'm throwing that out there right now. I think he's really, going to have yeah. a dynamite season. He's always been brilliant. I mean, you watch him. He's one of, you want a quarterback who can make something out of nothing. He's probably one of the most escapable quarterbacks. Right. He, he, yeah. he can just, he escapes so many plays and and extends so many plays with his feet. Hopefully he won't lose that. But he's dynamic, he's exciting to watch, and he can win games for you. And how many quarterbacks can do that? Mm. Not, not many. Not many you go, um, I trust Russell Wilson on a sort of 90-yard drive with 45 seconds left. Yeah, yeah exactly. That clutch, that composure, the experience, the the confidence you have in that player to okay, we exactly we've got forty seven seconds, we've got to get in the red zone. I I, I said forty five seconds. Sorry, I'll to, like stack even forty five. I'd go with. What's the lowest you'd go before you start to panic? It depends who it's against. If it's against the Lions, you can probably get there in seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have you... nightmares apart of just of, of Aaron Rodgers just literally throwing hail marys in the last second. Yeah, <laughs> just taking it down. Well, so there is that that composure in the clutch, as you've suggested that uh, improvisation that when a play breaks down, what's the who are the quarterbacks that can still get something done? Mahomes is definitely one. Yeah, Rogers is definitely one. I think Wilson could be th- could be third on that list. I yeah, mean, I think uh, maybe Wilson more than Aaron Rodgers because more than Rogers. more mobile than Aaron Rodgers. So True, he, I've, I've seen him escape and extend plays more. I think than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, Rogers, yeah. I would say is a more accurate, sort of perfect, a brilliant passer. But mm. but still, Wilson's great. But maybe Aaron Rodgers has better vision than Wilson. 
but I think Wilson is be- is faster and more um, dynamic on his feet. Who would you rather hang out with on a night out, Aaron Rodgers or Joe Rogan? Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I don't really know Joe Rogan. <laughs> I quite like Aaron Rodgers. Do you, so yeah, watching Rogers is uh, if we're talking about divisive figures and contentious figures, he's become one, hasn't he? The whole COVID thing and his appearances, the, the quirky stuff, the Jeopardy stuff, the quirky stuff where he rocks up and does his does his fairly forthright and transparent uh, pod appearances where he doesn't really hold back on much. Is that why you like him? Because he just seems quite. I think he's a good actor. I like him in the State Farm adverts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you, do you think that could be his? Forget Jeopardy in a game show. See, that could be his his calling post NFL. I find him really funny. I don't know why. If it's just because something in my because you know about the, there's an English comedian called Tom Rigglesworth. Oh sure, yeah. And he oh, they look the same when we started stand up. Yeah, using the same stand up course as me, and he's sort of got this thing where he's he's met Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Tom Rigglesworth is really funny. So maybe in my brain sort <laughs> yeah. of merged this British comedian with Aaron Rodgers because my adult brain cannot d- differentiate between t- two people who look the same. That would be a, a post-NFL career, screwball comedy, a caper, and just cast both of them. I mean, Tom Rigglesworth could handle it. And, you know, if you think Rodgers has got acting chops in the right, in the right direction, the good script, I mean, that could... I'm going to start writing it now. I think you should get on. <laughs> should get on that. Well, if um, if Wilson's the real deal, and Aaron Rodgers obviously as well, we talked about Derek Carr in that top half, maybe even top tier now of quarterbacks. If you if you if you're calling the top ten in the NFL top tier quarterbacks, where's Jared Goff? He's an he's such an intriguing and enigmatic character for me, and, he, and bringing this full circle with Hard Knocks, right? I mean, his introduction to the NFL was tough because he was in hard knocks in his rookie season as well. And as they do, the producers kind of cut some juicy content that was portraying him. Maybe it's not the sharpest tool in the shed. I think that's fair to say there kind of was this perception about Goff that he's a nice guy, but not the sharpest based on that surface level hard knocks. First look at him, his time in LA was ultimately successful, right? I mean, I know they moved on. I know he didn't get them over the line in the Super Bowl, but he had a a pretty solid time, but always weighed down by this. Another perception is that he was mechanical, robotic. He couldn't think for himself. McVeigh was pulling all the strings. Therefore, his limitation as a quarterback. Does he, does he seem to be a, more of a freer spirit now he's in Detroit? He's got the difficult season under his belt. It, the, the mindset and the culture that Dan Campbell's created. Do you think that Jared Goff could have, okay, maybe not an MVP year, but a, but a big year, a, a real uh, rebound step forward year? Or are you on the other side where you're thinking, mm, okay, he's way down the pecking order in the, the deep waters. He's not good enough. He's a transitional guy till we get our real guy. Yeah, I've not seen anything uh, spectacular from him. It's like this, you get to know players when you see them every week. You get to know their ceilings of how good they can mm. be and what they can do. So I, I, as people would know, I'd always bang on about Matthew Stafford having watches every game. That I know he's brilliant. He can do things that no other quarterback, uh, Mahomes and Stafford and Rod, 
Rogers. They can do these passes that no one else can do. Whereas Goff, he just... I've not seen him be consistently good. I'm always, I always feel slightly surprised mm. when he makes a great pass rather than that's sort of part of his repertoire. I think, oh, right, that is a one in three chance he's going to get that. Yeah. All sale on him. He'd make mistakes. He'd miss the receiver. It was quite odd being spoilt with a quarterback like Stafford for 10 years and watching mainly him. Mm. And you noticed that a huge uh, gulf in between abilities. Yeah. Has got possibly the best setup that he's ever had here at the moment because the Detroit's O line is probably our greatest strength. Got to, you know Taylor Deck is there, Penny Sewell's there, uh, Frank Ragnall's back at centre. Mm. Um, the guards are playing well, and also you've got now we've got a brilliant receiver in the slot receiver in the draft, Amon Rastin Brown. Um, it, he's a, a was great last year and mm. also um uh Jason Reynolds came in who's got uh, compatibility with him yeah, and DJ Shark, Jameson DJ Williams, Williams yeah, yeah, yeah. and Jameson Williams when he returns from his injury, if he's any good or not, you've got four great receivers there. Yeah. And um so and a fairly decent running backs in Jamal Williams and and Swift as well. So it's really set up for him to do well. They seem to be confident, confident with him in, in the preseason. Yeah. That's comparing him to possibly two of the worst backup quarterbacks. I don't want to give any spoilers away from Hard Nuts fans, but Boyle and Blau, I've seen them both play last year and they are, well, below number three quarterbacks, I think, both of them. Blau was interesting because he came on had some early looks, didn't he? Had, didn't he get some early? I don't know if I'm. Am I blurring? Did he ever play any regular seasons? He had. He's had a yeah. couple of regular season so games. We had yeah. injuries. Yeah. They both played, and then I think Blau went. Then Boyle came in. He got injured. Then Blau came in and lost every game. And he's just not. He's too short. He's not quick enough. He's not got the arm strength. Mm. And it, it, it's just not. The, he hasn't got the size to do it, mm. or hasn't got the physical attributes of a short quarterback you need the speed and the quick release to be an and vision to be successful uh, Eminem of course uh, a, a Michigan native right Detroit native uh, has offered to lace up and play for for the Lions so if you were the GM would you drop one or both of those quarterbacks and, and put Eminem on the roster as, as yeah. maybe the third you, Eminem you feel would do a better job than Blau Number three, yes. <laughs> well, there is. A, I guess there's the startle factor. I mean, the trick gadget, well, that'd be the ultimate gadget play, that you put them in and then the players realise it's Eminem and they'll just be that split second of shock, maybe even long more than a second or two of what the fuck was going on and Eminem can make the play. I mean, it could be it could be the ultimate gadget play. Yeah. Eminem and then you line up all the receivers with no pants and trousers. <laughs> Yeah. And go, what is going what's going on? Offensive line is 50 cent and G unit together together. Yeah. G unit, uh, 50 cent being the center, I feel. I think that that could be, I mean, if there is a head coach in the NFL likely to pull that off, attempt that, it would probably be Dan Campbell. Like, you make some great points though on the offense. And I think for me, that is why they are their playoff contenders particularly given the division they're in. And we'll drill down more on that in a bit because that is obviously instrumental if we're trying to shake the playoff contenders. You mentioned the offensive line. 
as Propo, and incidentally, Propo, uh, producer Ollie, not here again, Marek. Uh, and this what? is, I know, I mean, this is happening on a, on a regular, it's a regular occurrence. And, and frankly, I, I'm embarrassed to have to explain to you, a longstanding All-Pro member of the team, uh, star at stage and screen, that he's not here for your appearance and is expecting just to clean it up in the edit. He makes me feel sick. <laughs> but, well, this might bring him back in your estimation just a little bit because he mentioned in the context of the offensive line, TJ Hawkinson as well, in, and his role within the unit, um, the G unit, his role within the unit. Uh, so the combination of that line, Hawkinson, his ability as a blocker, obviously his ability uh, as a receiver, that, that receiving call. When's Jameson Williams due back? Are they looking at mid-season? Is that right? I think they said, they don't know, I think. It's sort of changed. Originally, it was like he might be ready for the start. He's going to miss the first two games. He's going to miss the first four. Mm. It's, you know, and then you've got to learn all the routes and all that. It's yeah. quite hard, I think, coming in a rookie season. I um, suppose to the flip side, the positives there. Well. Yeah, he might, Um, you know, that might benefit him. I mean, providing the the fitness is there that that could benefit him having five, six weeks, just watching and being around. And because mm-hmm. these, as we, we, we talked about a fair bit on the show, it's a different ball game now. And as a receiver coming in, you can hit the ground running quickly. And if you've got that time to, to learn the roots, to learn the core of that particular offense, that, that could, he could have a real spring in his step when he comes in. Let's talk Deandre Swift. Cause if, if, if golf is a, is a, to me, a fascinating character because I'm all I'm interested in that whole nether world of uh, quarterbacks that aren't quite good enough, right? And that's one thing. Swift from day one has been a an immense talent, obvious talent. If Goff is a an average player at best that might have a a standout season or two and could get over the line, Swift is the different breed, right? He came into the NFL as a this guy from the first look at him is a is a real deal elite positional player but he doesn't feel like he's fulfilled that promise yet where are you on him yeah he hasn't basically i think that's happened with all the history of the detroit lions is drafting a good running back in the second round who gets injured who has problems and it seems the same thing with swift he just hasn't really i don't know whether physically he's got the strength he had in, he had an injury yeah really taken off in the way they thought he would. So last year, they almost went to sort of a two, you know, with Jamal Williams, they picked it from Green Bay as a running back by committee where they're just switching over. And, and that seems to be more successful where they'll just give Jamal Williams, you know, to the workhorse stuff in the first half, put Swift on and hopefully he can get, you know, when everyone's a bit more tired. But I've not really been blown away by him. He hasn't fulfilled the impact that I thought he would. And I don't think he ever will. I think he'll just be that sort of luxury, luxury, mm. maybe sort of th- third down back, really. I like the, uh, Deuce Staley's the running backs coach, right? So yeah. one of the things I love about Hard Knocks is that collection of vets, often playing vets that Dan Campbell's put together, Aaron Glenn. J-Bell speaks very highly of Aaron Glenn. I think Aaron Glenn was instrumental as a vet in J-Bell when he was coming through as a rookie. Always talks very highly of Aaron Glenn. Uh, Juice Staley, uh, a number of coaches in in the mix there that I guess many of whom are cut the same way that they have been there, done it. And this is Campbell's MO, right? I mean, as you said, he's a player's coach. They 
love the fact that he gets stuck in with training. They love the fact that he has been there and done it and talks like a, a, a prototypical, almost a stereotypical uh, NFL player, right? Deuce Staley, watching him in the the running back's room, the, the breakout sessions that they have, I I find that fascinating. Him trying to get through to Swift and telling him, "You can be if you want. You can be the greatest." And I just wonder what's going through Swift's head. Like, is he thinking, "I can"? Is it going in? Is he's because he's very poker face, isn't he? Doesn't really give anything away. I don't know if it does go in. Or, I, I mean, Juice Daly. If you watch Hard Knocks, everyone shouts a lot and drops the f bomb every other word. Juice Staley probably. Every third word is the F bomb. <laughs> and he was shouting so much that in episode three, he'd lost his voice. Lost his voice yeah. So he was speaking, swearing them like a high pitched <laughs> seven year old, <laughs> which was one of my favorite moments. But it's that thing where if you're. The Detroit Lions have got a young. When he's sport. doing just on that, when he's doing that, and you're in the you're in the running backs, it must have been quite hard for them to hold it down with that. Why are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> just you remember at school when you just one of you would go and you'd all just be busy yourselves. <laughs> I had a teacher once that was, I could stay here all day if I want, Coombs. <laughs> just I'm amazed that didn't happen when Juice was wicked. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I don't know how much how much it works being shouted it seems like they're being mm. shouted at yeah. relentlessly just being told to f this and f this yeah and you're just seeing literally you know, an hour of it and you feel oh i feel a bit exhausted by an hour of that. <laughs> yeah. and they're getting yeah. told each day and you think where's the as a veteran fair enough the detroit lions think they've got the second youngest roster so maybe they have to shout at these young players to get something out of them. But I'll be interested to the older players who, you know, in season five, season six. Yes. Think, ah, oh, shut up, mate. Yeah. Th- yeah. I know how this works. I want to know tactically what to do. I don't want to be treated. It is basically feels like an angry parent shouting at some toddler <laughs> for 52 yeah. minutes. Uh, it, uh, this is the crux of whether you buy into the Lions because there's this talk of last season they were on paper in terms of calibre a, a terrible roster right in in the context yeah. of the NFL or, 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 that's not fair a weak one of the weakest rosters but they battled they had some gutsy victories they played with spirit and I actually felt this true with Houston and David Cully only lasted one season there and was always going to last one season there. Although now, weirdly, they seem to have gone to another interim uh, head coaching um, situation. But teams like that, particularly when you have a four-guy head coach, and Campbell could easily have been that last season, it very conceivably could have been 0 and 17, just disastrous. They gave up after week seven. But the Lions weren't weren't that. And I think that's why, as neutrals watching on, people have started pulling for them. They're not a good team, but they play play hard. And that seemed to vindicate the mindset uh, and the approach that Dan Campbell and clearly his entire coaching staff apply, right? Well, we can throw rocks from the sidelines and say it's old school and it's outdated and it's limited, but it seems to be working. Now we're watching Hard Knocks and seeing it, you say, the extent of it. And particularly, I, I take your point definitely about the vets, but I think this is probably true with, with rookies coming in, now, even more so now that college players can cut all kinds of financial deals. 
I can't work out whether because Campbell, and I think by extension, given his selection of coaches, the, the, the support staff that he has, that's a really smart play to connect with players in this day and age. Actually, what you really need to concentrate on more than anything is that resonance and that's the way that you do it. They do relate to that. And, and maybe it's, I've always asked players that I've worked with, ex-players that I've worked with, how much does it matter that your coach played? How much does it matter? And positional coaches, especially, I think more than head coaches, but that, that they they play, that they they understood it. Do you, are you comfortable? Because you hear someone like, I don't know, take a different sport and you hear LeBron say, um, yeah, I will take anything that's going to make me sharper. I remember talking to one of, Le- I did a radio show with one of LeBron's coaches at in Cleveland when he was in, one of the times he was in Cleveland. And I asked him this question. I said, was it difficult to coach LeBron because he's one of the greatest players of all time? So he's just not going to listen to you because even if he's polite and professional, you know, it's not really going in because he's thinking, what does this guy know about? And he said, the diametric opposite of every single player, he was the most receptive to the advice I was giving him. So, it is interesting that there are certain pros that it doesn't matter for, but the average everyday pro, does it matter that, am I going to not take you seriously if you're a slightly kind of geeky MIT style, mm. you know, new school coach or, um, or it, it, what is it? Is it the pop culture connection? Is the age? I mean, that's obviously a big, big trend in the NFL right now that head coaches in particular, but generally coaches are younger and younger and younger. Is that because of the connection they can forge the players. So this boils down to the rah-rah stuff is obviously got to be limited if that's all there is. And does it eventually, do you run out of steam? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. What do you think? I think it's diminishing returns. And I think probably Dan Campbell's in the second season, he can still do that. And it will still work on this squad. And then you've got to move into this. You sort of almost need to bring the rookies through get them into the regime of this is how it is, this is how hard you have to work and do this whole grit thing they've had, they've got on their, on their hats. That's the whole sort of mentality they've got. Mm. And then you probably have to change and evolve through that. I mean, I can't imagine Bill Belichick (laughs) shaking chalk off some trousers he's found in his locker. What do you think Belichick makes the hard knocks? What he, he must, do you reckon he watches it? Or say he hasn't watched it, you sit him down and force him to watch an episode of Dan Campbell, Lions Hard Knocks. What's, what's Belichick thinking? I imagine he's there watching it, thinking whilst he's cutting the sleeves off his tops. <laughs> Is that what it, that's what it, just, to, just to switch off for the day. Just. Yeah, so he goes home and he thinks, what shall I wear next time? I better cut some sleeves off my tops for the next game. <laughs> Honey, you've already got about 50, 55, already nicely cut, but he still wants a few more. They're badly cut. He likes to fray a bit. Yeah. And he goes, do you know what? After hard knocks, I'm going to cut another inch off all my sleeveless tops. (laughs) (laughs) He coach, you (laughs) can And that's what he'll bring it down to. Come on. And you'll see, wow, Bill Belichick's shown quite a lot of arm this year. <laughs> Risque, Bill. What kind of coach would you be? Would you be closer to Campbell or closer to, to Belichick? Oh, definitely Belichick. See, I, I think interesting with hard knocks, we talked about the offensive coordinator who was just in the late episode a little bit, Ben Johnson, who's been yeah. promoted up. He's not in it a lot because I think he's not the sweary. Mm. He's not the sort of 
oh, he's quite boring. You're going through all the plays. He's he is the sort of uh, um, tactical mind. Yes. And interestingly, the offense is really burning the defense quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let that's that nice segue into the defense because we talked a lot about the offense, and it's gonna it, it will definitely contend. And I'm uh, I'm quite optimistic for Goff this year, having a, a strong season by his by his standards. I think this could maybe could be his most successful season statistically that that he's had. But what about the defense? So talk us through. The, the obvious big addition and and a prominent feature of hard knocks and, and a, a seemingly a ready to roll player is Aiden Hutchinson. And he's going to give all kinds, I think to, to this defense, but beyond him, because he looks like he's going to be the real deal. And yeah. And he looks great. He looks really, really good. There's been a lot of focus on hard knocks on the linebacker. We picked up called Malcolm Rodriguez. Yes. Round Rodrigo. Um, but, our linebacker was terrible. Mm. They've got Jared Davis back, who was there before, sort of failed first round pick uh, before. Um, so Akuda, so where is he? You think he's never going to... It's a good, interesting point on when you draft a player that high, it, it reminds me a bit of if you're taking a blindside tackle in the top five and he and he's a bust because he never made it as a blindside tackle. The safety net there was always, no pun intended, was always you can drop him down the line and play him uh, either right tackle or guard, right? And at least you'll get 10, 12 years serviceable. So it's not what you'd hoped for, but it's not a complete disaster, even though he yeah. would be billed as a bust. I wonder if corners are the same now in the, in the, the new NFL that if you you want to shut down style elite corner if you're picking top five. But if you get a good nickel corner out of it for seven, eight years, it's better than a, like a complete blowout. And I wonder if that's maybe Akuda's Akuda's likely end game being part of a unit as opposed to the superstar. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what will happen with his, uh, I don't know if you're getting, I, I thought he was so poor. I thought he was possibly one of the biggest busts ever when I saw him his first season. Mm. He was just off the pace. Was it because, the, I mean, we often obsess about quarterback situations and, and I, but at the same time, give a quarterback, a rookie quarterback a pass when they're going into a bad situation, which most of them do, right? If they're drafted high, because that's the whole point of the draft. Is it, is it unfair, particularly in a, a pass-happy league to put, uh, that, that supports the offense put too much pressure on a corner year one and expect them to be ready-made? Or was he just so bad? You're thinking even with that in mind, he's still just not at the races. It was, it was his pace. Ah, uh, okay. Right. And he just couldn't handle any of the speeds. And you, the, the, the gap between them was huge the whole time. He just mm -hmm. was, wasn't up to speed. So you think you're never going to get that. You're never going to be that against someone like Tyreek Kill. You're just going to get absolutely oh. destroyed because you're already just two yards off the whole time. So on the deep ball, you're just going to get burnt. So I just thought I was alarmed by his lack of pace. Do you think if you're going to get an elite cornerback? That's sort of guaranteed. Yeah, be fast enough to to, and he wasn't fast enough. So you think, well, how can you ever, how can you ever fulfil that role if you haven't got that? You got got the pace. Did you see there was after one of the the Dolphins preseason games there was. Uh, a corner that was talking about Tyreek Kill, and was it was just such an earnest and charming interview because he just said, "I've ne I've never seen 
anything that fast in my life. And it's like, I was ready. I was giving him, I had a few yards. I was ready to, and he just blazed past me. Just, I love the fact he was that, as opposed to that kind of corner swagger of, I'll get him next time, you know, just none, yeah, none yeah, of that. Yeah. Just there's no way I, any, I'm not competing with that. It was ridiculous, which is exciting. Hey, two more on, on Detroit uh, from me, and then we'll get into some of the mailbag. Nice so one. I'm positive about the season. I think there is a good shot, even in the, as you've already outlined, that a hyper-competitive NFC. I think because of the division, you've got a decent shot at a sneaky wildcard spot. I think nine and eight. 10 and 7, I feel, could could happen. What about you? Are you confident that you could be there or thereabouts? I think we'll probably always end up with a losing season. Mm. But the problem is that, well, the great thing is, this is the easiest uh, set of fixtures we've ever had. Right. A, we're not playing the uh, uh, AFC West. So I don't know what division is playing the AFC West in the in, yeah. in the NFC. But that's basically four losses that most teams are going to get, whoever's paired up with them. And Detroit finished last. So we've got Jacksonville, who are still in disarray. Seattle, who I think might be one of the worst teams in the NFC this season. And we're playing um, the AFC East. So Buffalo, Miami, uh, tough, you know, and that's going to be tough. Also, Mm. the NFC East, which is almost the same level. There's no real great team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because the because the Philly are looking interesting, but there are questions about Jalen Hurts in particular. Dallas had, could I could see them spiral by their standards into another messy season. The Giants that are clearly not going to be serious contenders. The West, incidentally, uh, the Wests are, are paired. So AFC West and NFC West are paired. So yeah, a good shot in the division. So it, there's a fighting chance there for sure, and I think that that's a big part of it. In terms of Green Bay specifically, if we're talking about teams that are kind of hard to figure out, they could easily capitulate. Do you think there's a danger with Green Bay that that could happen? Do you think that the receiving core, the lack of depth there, the lack of quality there, could come back to really haunt? Or do you think that Rodgers will transcend that and it won't matter because it's Aaron Rodgers? I think it'll be a mixture of both. It's so crazy it, that they didn't go after. Mm. Uh, even, even uh, that it didn't get a decent, you know, even a decent veteran. It, 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 yeah. we, I don't understand it. I just do not understand it, why you've got this, you know, quarterback of a generation and you're not giving him the weapons. Particularly when right. you think about the last couple of years and the George Love thing and he's going to leave. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's asked for it. He's going to go. This could be the end of the year. And my God, we could lose him. Oh, no, we're not going to lose him. We're going to re-up him. But we're not going to give him a, 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 an A-list receiver. It doesn't make sense. Well, I think um, the NFC North, this, uh, the Packers are still the best team by quite a long way, I think. The Bears are in disarray. The Lions are maybe coming up to that sort of second year in the rebuild where you ideally you'd say the third year is a playoff year. The mm. Vikings never really clicked, you know, Kirk, they never really produced the magic. Is that Kirk mm. Cousins thing or not? I don't know. Mm. But um you just say Green Bay every time, but then you think they're gonna get to the playoffs and they're gonna get done over by the Rams or the Bucks. Yeah, in, in the wildcard <laughs> round by, you know, by twenty four points. Yeah, but hey yeah. to make it would be a hell of a 
hell of a success. One more on from me, as I say, and then we'll dive into the mailbag. Now, I mentioned FFS uh, earlier on. Marikov, brand new fantasy show. Oh, yes. With yes, the Guru yes. Sam Juni. Uh, uh, DraftKings are, are partners on that, and shout out to them. There is a, a listener league that we're doing this season, the NC Show Listener League, which is uh, free to enter, and it's just a, a competition league, right? So we will give prizes away every week. So you don't have to get involved oh, with any of the other. Oh, That's, I hope you're going to join that. Um, oh, it sounds uh, great. Yes, I like the prizes. Win merch. There's merch we can win. Uh, I'm, cash, cash prizes, right? Uh, we're going to get a... I'm going to ask. Maybe Belichick can donate <laughs> donate one of his new fetching extra inch off. Or you, uh, can get the, off. you can get the inch. The inch. We'll go for the the inch. inch. I or was, the discards from Belichick's Wow. A Matt Patricia doll out of the... The cutoffs from Belichick's from Belichick's cut the scraps. Yeah, you get Belichick's cutoffs and snapped pencils. Snap whole pencil, a pack of pencils. So anyway, lots of goodies. Not maybe not any of those, but merch, and helmets, cat, and well, potentially tickets. You can win hospitality tickets to Broncos Jags at Wembley. That's one of our prizes. That's week oh, four. Wow. Yeah. So we're gonna have so daily fantasy, Mark. I don't know if you've you've ever played it because I know you like your fantasy. You just pick a new team every week, and as a leaderboard, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Whoever is top of the leaderboard uh, wins the contest, right? So for the way we're going to do the ticket giveaway, week four is the key one. So you've got to be in the league if you want to win the tickets by week four, and it'll be winner takes all week four. If there's if there's a tie at the top, we'll have a tie-breaking mechanic. But How do I go to this thing? I go to where, where do I go to? So it's DraftKings. We've got the link in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, if you look at the show notes, there'll be a hyperlink. I'll take you straight there on the NC show. If you go to Twitter, we've got it as a pinned tweet. Uh, we've got a brand new website out as well. Where's the link to it on that? So you can find it by clicking on any of those. And we'll be pushing stuff out on our social channels as well to go to it. So the Nakum Show League, get involved with that. And I mentioned it an FFS because the last question for me, who's the must-have player from the Lions for fantasy this year? Now, it doesn't have to be necessarily daily fantasy. If you could pick one player to put in your fantasy team, who would it be? Well, I, I wouldn't because mm. <laughs> I think they're the most balanced they've been. Ah, okay. Typically, fancy teams work best when a, when you've got an unbalanced team. Right. Where you had to, like last year, Amon Rasen Brown was our slot receiver mm. and he was a go-to guy. And you, you knew that Goff was going to go there. Now we've got DJ Chark and Reynolds has been there and they've drafted Williams. You, you think, is he going to be yes 100 yards ca- catcher, uh, a receiver every game? Or, and also the running back by committee. Mm. I mean, Swift, he might get more yardage, but he's not going to get you the touchdowns. You're not going to give the ball to him. Mm. He has had some fumble problems. Mm. You're not going to give the ball to him on two yard lines to get those six points so maybe it's Hawkinson I guess we're going to talk tight ends on the next FFS yeah Hawkinson's not really prolific as a yeah I will not go him I've got my tight end Schultz from the Cowboys oh that's who you're going with yeah so my I would say Tim Brown if you're Mm. pushed for a slot receiver Mm. but I would not say there any big numbers are going to come from the Lions Sorry, guys. Oh, hey, no, hey, you're calling it how it is. I think they'll appreciate that honesty. Um, it makes a lot of sense, to be honest. I like that. I like that. That take. Speaking of takes, let's get to 
Twitter, where most of the questions are coming this week for you, at the NC Show. You can follow Marek at Marek Larwood, incidentally. We'll put his handle in our show notes as well, so give him a bump. Uh, from uh, One from Alistair. Hey, Alistair. Uh, one question, sure to send Marek into a blind rage. Has Matt Patricia still got his pencil? I bet he has. This, so Can't this, stand Matt Patricia. <laughs> so this was a throwback, Alistair, uh, long-time listener by the sound of it, throwback to a, a previous episode where you were frustrated because you believed that, that Matt Patricia had stolen your pencil? No, I was angry because Matt Patricia cares more about putting a pencil behind his ear than he did about coaching the Detroit oh, Lions. It was the obsession. His priority list was wrong. It was skewed. That's right. I thought so he didn't actually... to write things down. We lost <laughs> the game and then he'd be pretending to write things down. You're thinking, you're writing on a laminated piece of of paper, <laughs> I know full well that pencil does not work on <laughs> on laminated sheets. Have you ever done that? Like particularly, uh, God, I remember doing this early on in my career when you're in a meeting, you're slightly nervous, and you think I should be taking notes, and you just yeah. <laughs> write something. Just down. write down notes. Notes. Yeah, yeah, just random words. Afterwards, <laughs> make no sense or disconnected. That's what Patricia was doing, and the pressure was getting to him. Yeah. Writing back. pencil on his laminated paper. <laughs> Writing the, like one of his one of his coaches saying, "We got to try the jet sweep there," and he's just looking around, just writes "jet." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know where that's going. Uh, Alistair, love that question. Um, oh, average safety guy. I always uh, like hearing from average safety guy because. Um, we love his handle and he fires in questions to us. So um, this is a goodie. All-time favourite offensive player. I know the answer to that one. Um, an all-time favourite defensive player for the Lions. So Matt Stafford's oh, your all-time For the Lions? Player. Well, I, you know what? Why don't we open it up? So Lions and also the NFL Galaxy. This, can, this is another question I was going to ask you. So I was talking about ceilings of players. My all-time yeah. favourite player is where there's three Luckily, we've had three of the greatest players, but Matthew Stafford hasn't been recognised. That he's my favourite player of all time. Yeah, and then very closely followed by uh, uh, Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, obviously. Um, defensive player. Um, I don't really. Dick Night Train Lane. Night Train was Lane, the cornerback in the nineteen fifties for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> When they had good nicknames. When they won the world, when they last won the world championships. I remember reading about him and there's a great book called Paper Lion by oh, great a journalist called George Plimpton. And he trained, this is, I mean, you'd never have to do this now. It's a bit like Hard Knocks. Yeah. Probably the precursor to Hard Knocks where he famously trained with the Lions in the 60s, I think it was. I mean, I even, Late I 50s, know. early 60s, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I've got it somewhere. 58. And um, he wrote a sort of a book all about that. It's absolutely fascinating. I recommend that. If you like Hard Knocks, mm. get Paper Lion. And he went on to do lots of other different sports. And I think since then, his thing's been copied by a lot of journalists. Yeah. Plunging themselves into sport, but it, that was the, the original one, I think. Have um, you read a few seconds of Panic, which is basically a, it's effectively a reboot of it by a guy called I think he's called Stefan Fatsis, I think, where he does, and he's very clear that he's he's you know borrowing the concept from and rebooting the concept from Plinton. Or he goes try and be a kicker. 
Is he friends with Amararo? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, he's not. What's his name? I'm, I'm a... <laughs> no, he's not. But he, he tries to be a kicker in um in Detroit, in Detroit, in Denver. No, I'm not. Really. Is it good? It's good. It's good. I mean, it's not your absolute spot on paper lines. It's seminal book and and absolutely read out. So um, instrumental in in so much of what has come since. Because yeah, I mean, it. God, sixty years ago, I think the book was written. Brilliant. Um, love that. All right, here's one from Rakesh. He says, Marek, my brother's just become a Lions fan. There you go, another new member. So I bought him an Aiden Hutchinson shirt. What has he let himself into? It's just depressing, really. It's just depressing. <laughs> it's managing to lose. It's false, false hope. Um, frustration. And then... I think it's the worst. It's the worst. Is the shattered, shattered dreams? I'd say shattered dreams. <laughs> well, he's got a follow-up question as well. What would be your rookie intro song? Because as we said, you mentioned uh, Rodrigo had to do um, had to do a turn. They all do. So what would yours be? You have to get in front of the team if you haven't seen Hard Knocks and uh, and and do a song. What would be your number? I was thinking what would be good for a bald man, mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't know. Some of this is, might be too young for this, but there was a cartoon which was uh, very famous in the sort of seventies and early eighties. It was called Bod, and <laughs> about this bald, I love Bod cartoon. I think it was played on the piccolo. Yeah, and then the great Derek Griffiths would sort of do sort of like scat along with it. With it, please, yeah. Ollie. If you bothered to edit this properly, <laughs> this is this is a test. If you've listened through, you've gone, oh, that'll be all right. I would like you to put. I think you can put a seven-second thing copyright. Yeah. yeah, of the bod music in here, and also I, I tried to Google it and don't put sort of bod music because you get like dad bod music. Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. Yeah. <laughs> Pod the cartoon, 70s music and the piccolo and just play a bit here. I can hear it now. I'm not going to spoil it because Ollie's going to play it right now. <laughs> well, we'll find out if, if he is if he's earning his stripes because yeah. that that was a, a, a terrific test. I, ga- I bet he hasn't. I bet, listeners, I apologise if there's no Bod. There there's no bod there's no ollie next week there we go <laughs> what would dan campbell make of bod that's yeah. that's where <laughs> that's where i want to go all right a couple of quick fire ones before we let you get out of it well, i want to talk about brady because that's interesting uh brady's absence everybody's talking uh about why one of the new york tabloids might have been the post i think published an article saying you know it's uh bust up with Giselle because Giselle's annoyed he's gone back to the NFL when he said he was going to retire. I quite like Brady's fairly direct comments to the media about it. I'm 40. What did he say? Because I, I presumed it was that, that Giselle got annoyed. Well, he hasn't said anything other than, he hasn't been specific about what it is, but he just said, look, I'm 45 years old. I'm dealing with shit. <laughs> like straight talking, no nonsense. Just get off my, get off my case. Uh, and Ollie made the point. We when we were out in Dublin for with College Football Ireland, shout out to that brilliant, um, brilliant weekend that was. Ollie made the point that Brady's definitely becoming more likable. 
he seems to be, you know, the after the Super Bowl win, when they were chucking the Lombardi trophy in the dock and he looked hammered, uh, he more he's becoming more human and therefore showing that side of him, which has always been there. But I mean, it's probably crazy. impossible to become showing, <laughs> showing less human less side. Human side. Well, I mean, really. True. Well, not a high bar of Italy. But if you contrast it with Rogers, who uh, are playing at the same level as just regularly goes on shows and, uh, and and calls it how it is, whether you like what he says or not. Brady seems to be doing a lot more of that latterly, uh, particularly since he's moved to Tampa. Yeah, maybe it was a better check thing. Maybe it was the mm. whole. And I think it's odd, isn't it? As you just get, it's like dogs, isn't it? I think with personalities, you get small dogs, and then when they're young, they're really idiotic and stupid, and they don't have much personality. It's only when the dogs get to about five or six, they get. Uh, start to get more of a personality. The same thing with quarterbacks, I suppose. Yeah. Fresh. And they've almost got to be a robot to just process that information. And Brady doesn't need to go. I mean, he's been playing for 25 years. Yeah. Does he really need to go? To, can you imagine Brady on hard knocks sitting there, 45 year old man, and the coaches are younger than you, <laughs> and they're sort of shouting at you. You think, you know what? Shut up, mate. I've won, I've won seven more Super Bowls than most teams. Don't shout at me. I know what to do. There's no point in being there. Yeah. Brady, just picturing Brady in that Lions camp would be, <laughs> that would be television I would watch. Marek, have you got a... Uh, I've got, got a question. I was, oh. I was talking about game check. Occasionally we talked about the playbook and the um, we talked about the two-point role. Yes. And, we did. Uh, we talked about, and we talked about when to go for touchdowns and two points and the yeah. book before. The, book, the, the legendary book, yeah. Which we, we've argued about before. That's a long-standing thing. But now I've yeah. got a new thing I'd like to introduce whenever I come back, which is <laughs> okay. alternative tie-breaking endings to games. Ooh, okay. Instead of overtime. And I think I've found it now. Okay, let's hear it. It is... You start off on the 10-yard line. Yep. And each player takes a kick. Not the kicker, every player in the squad. And each time moves a yard back until someone misses. So hang on. So you're, you're kicking it. So it's a, over time. From the 10-yard. Okay, so every player. So it's like a penalty shootout, essentially. Yeah, but you goes back players. a yard each time. So you start on the 10-yard ah, okay. line. Okay. And you've got to choose one player to kick it. So it could be like your linebacker or something. They've got to kick it. Oh, so you don't rotate the players. So you don't have like, like in penalties in... You rotate the players. Oh, you do. Okay. Squad. Fine. So you'll have backup quarterback goes first, cornerback goes second and so on. And you're not allowed to have the puncher or the kicker. No, you are. Oh, you, you are? You can use them once. I can use them once. You've got to sit on them. you got to sit on them until it gets in, into deep water. Coaches, can they have a kick? No, just no, a squad. Just Maybe it'll start on the 15-yard line or 20-yard line. So it'd be a penalty. It'd be exciting, though, wouldn't it? I love it. I mean, and it would, and it would be pretty... It, it's interesting because I was reading... Uh, reading about players in a on a roster who can kick or punt and what, you know, so what happens essentially when the kicker goes down, typically the punter will kick. But if there's a situation where both go down and, and most players have that situation worked out, most, sorry, most teams have that situation worked out. Like who do we go to? So Matt Barkley, for example, 
for for um, very depressing reasons took on punting duties for Buffalo recently, right? So that is interesting. So you're going to have players that intuitively have got a bit of form there. So they're going to be, but are they your early ones? That's interesting to you because 10 yards out, that's, that's a kind of chip shot. Yeah, you go for the rubbish one. You go for the rubbish ones first, but that's a gamble because I mean, you, there's rubbish. So player wise, you you back your so just working this out. Would you? It'd be back, a special team would suddenly become yes more valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it'll be. I, I thought of. I did think of alternative where the kicker would start at the twenty, then the mm. twenty five, mm. then the thirty. But I thought it'd be more fun for the squad and for the special teams to have. Like people who could kick twenty yard field goal, so that it would be rather than just a kicker the whole time. Everyone has to come on, and it's all done from a a kicking. T- what's it called? The holding tee, whatever it is. A yeah, tee. yeah, yeah. So it's all the same place on each other. So you don't line. have a snap or anything. So would also could you add a layer where you could maybe use so the kicker you're only allowed to use once, but could you have a couple of jokers or wild card kind of things you could play where you can use a kicker again. But he can't just do a normal kick. It has doors that go across mechanically that go across, <laughs> go across the post and open and close. So he's got to time it. That'll be good. Bit of jeopardy there. I love it. Well, I'm in for that. Um, what's the next step? Do you want to put this that together? Is my, some... That is my first. Um, oh, okay. That's your first one. All right. So, uh, but I thought maybe next time in six mm. months, I've got another <laughs> one. I, I'll come with, with my second idea. Oh, okay. Next time you're yeah, on. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll push out, uh, and again, a- another way of checking if Ollie is even listening to this right now. A we poll. Will, a poll, exactly. We'll put out a poll on, on social. Do we like that? Is that, or, 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 and suggestions for others as well. So next time you're on, our listeners yeah. can fire their suggestions in and you can you can give your take on that. And I'll have a think as well. I love that. That's, that it will be certainly sooner than six months, but almost longer than six months. <laughs> <laughs> It's twenty. It's twenty twenty eight. Listen, do you remember that thing we did six years ago? Well, not really, mate. <laughs> Where did we ever get to with the book? Did we get to? Which is it? Is it? Should we not go there? Should I not? We talked about up? the book last time, and, and you said there wasn't actually a, a literal book, but a literal book. book, which ruined it for me. I'm talking <laughs> about now when they yeah. go when when it's something like when to go for the two points. Yes. And when to go for the one point conversion. Yes. And then talk about the book says. The book says. Yeah, exactly. Like black. I imagine this dusty old tone. <laughs> they go out and unlock it. They send some sort of weird. <laughs> bearded. Troll. <laughs> horrible sort of monster. <laughs> runs down the corridor. The book, the book, the book. <laughs> It comes back with a book and it goes through it. And Matt Patricia goes on there and he gets his pencil out to write on it. Oh, it's, lamin- it's all laminated. It's all laminated. He just writes book. <laughs> he writes down book on the laminated thing. Yep. And then they miss and they lose again. Oh, amazing. It is always so much fun when you're on the show, man. Marek, we've mentioned Twitter at Marek Larwood. Follow, uh, follow Marek on there. But up to lots of other stuff as well. Really prolific in terms of content creation. Speaking of books, I've noticed that's a big thing you're on right now. Doing a lot of reading and, and, and reviewing. I'm doing a lot of books. reading and I've written, I've done my first theme that. Mm. Went to Guernsey. I do a walking video, a walking club thing, and I make videos of my walks. And I went to Guernsey for a, a walking thing and I made 
a whole comic about my trip to Guernsey and I painted all the illustrations. Did you did, yeah, I was going to say, did you did you do all the... Uh, yeah, the I illustrated it all and I wrote all... Amazing. I'll send you a... You can get it for digital download as well on my Cool Dudes Walking Club website. So to say um, that again, so Cool Dudes Walking Club is where you can head to, to look at, at that. Or we'll put that link in uh, in the show notes as well so you can click straight on that. Uh, cool. That's terrific. I love that. Uh, and you crop it up on TV all the time. Keep seeing you. Keep seeing your face on every time flicking through uh, uh, Comedy Central and all kinds of stuff going on there. So what are you, uh, what are you up to on that front? What, where can our listeners uh, check you out? I mean, it's gone a bit quiet, to be honest, Nat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did a bit in this thing uh, called Live at the Moth Club, which is coming out on Dave. And I spent, uh, I, I did a cameo in one uh, part of the new um, Daisy May Cooper. She's written a new thing for the BBC, new comedy. And uh, that's coming out in the autumn, I think. And I'm in one of the episodes of that. See if you can spot me. We will look out for that. So all of that, and uh, we'll, we'll push um, push links out to Marek's channel so you can follow him, get involved with it. Lots of really uh, fun, prolific stuff going out all the time. One of the most creative guys I've ever worked with, and it's great to see him fine form once again, man. Good to catch up with you, bro. Nice one. Cool, dude. Take care. See you soon. Bye, Nat. Bye, listeners. Brilliant stuff. Of course it was from Marek, and I promise you he'll be back sooner than six months. You can guarantee it, count on it, lock it in right now. That is a Drew Lock of the Week. Speaking of which, Propo and I casting our eyes over week one, Edge Rush dropping next week. The latest FFS, James Sandrini getting his set for your week one fantasy lineups. And of course, your week one daily fantasy. We're going to talk about daily fantasy on that show. That will drop early next week. So if you're new to daily fantasy, you set a team every week. Me and Sandrini will be getting into that uh, and join our show listener league. The link is in the show notes. It's over on social media. Get involved with that. Lots of fantastic competitions, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. Now, speaking of social media, I pushed out a thread on my personal feed at Nat Coombs a couple of days back, outlining a couple of things. What I'm up to personally in terms of coverage this season, I am proud to announce this is now the 16th year of me being involved with TV or radio coverage in this country at TalkSport. I'm going to be anchoring their coverage all season long. There's a big announcement coming soon. By the time you're listening to the show, that might have dropped as well. But a sneak peek that I am going to be front and center every week, propo right alongside me with the TalkSport coverage. Shout out to Will Gavin as well, of course, uh, and us to our part of that crew. On top of that, lots of great stuff happening with the show. So you know about DraftKings sponsoring FFS. SBK, shout out to them. And they are getting behind edge rush and we're going to be launching a separate edge rush show edge rush extra along with our partners sbk college football ireland the Aer Lingus college football classic crew we're back from dublin of course but that is rolling on and on and on and we're continuing our partnership with them as well through college days so we really appreciate all of the support that you give us and that they give us to help keep the train on the tracks it means we're going to be dropping four episodes at least a week this season. Loads of other social media content as well going out there. Just check the full thread at Nat Coombs. We retweeted it from at the NC show. Facebook uh, post on there as well. Still no TikTok, but hey, you will get the gist and find out a bit more information about that. More details about all of it as we roll into the season. And lots more episodes coming your way next week. Edge Rush FFS, 
Ben Isaac's in the house for a week one preview. Iron Mike every Monday. Remember the review show as well. What is not to love about that? Brilliant stuff. Enjoy. Check in soon. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.